Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning, Matthew chapter 8, we'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 17. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 17. Now, starting at verse 1 in chapter 8, we know where Jesus has been. Matthew 5, pretend, 6, and 7, that is the Sermon on the Mount. Don't ever forget that. I've said it so many times, put it on my tombstone, I don't care. But I don't ever want us to forget where the Sermon on the Mount is located. It's so important. He's coming down the mountain now, and he's about to engage some people that didn't make it up there. Two were too sick to go. One of them would never have been allowed because of social construct and racism of his day. But Jesus came down, and he came to them. Let's begin in verse 1 when Jesus came down. And by the way, I'm going to pause a time or two. Hope it doesn't get on your nerves too badly, but there's a few things we need to say as we read the passage. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Don't, don't let the awesomeness of he reached out his hand and touched a leper. Don't let that escape you. That's awesome. And Jesus said to him, See to it that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I can go ahead and tell you he wasn't real good at being quiet about it. Who could blame him? If you read this same healing in Mark chapter 1, it says he went everywhere telling everybody. He just could not shut up about it. Jesus is really trying to maintain what we call sometimes the messianic secret, where he is really trying to focus his mission on what he will do on the cross. He's, his, his, he's not wanting to just be known as, well, you're a healer. This guy came to clean up leprosy and, and to settle some physical problems. He came for much more than that, and he's trying to keep the focus on that part of his mission. But it's not easy. Hard to cleanse a man of leprosy and uh, tell him to just be quiet about it. Well, verse 5, in Jesus, when Jesus entered Capernaum... A centurion came to him, imploring him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He was a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier. He's over a hundred men in the Roman army. But just say the word. And my servant will be healed. Some scholars call this next line soldier 
jargon. It's beautiful. Because here he is, all he knows is being a soldier. But what he has seen Jesus do, he gives testimony to it in his own words. Listen to him. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and and he does it. In other words, he's telling Jesus, I, I can command people, but... I've watched you. You tell diseases and demons to get lost and they flee. I got a servant at home that if I were the emperor of Rome, I couldn't make him move. I can't do that. I've got men under me and authority and power behind me and the might of the Roman Empire, but I can't do what I have seen you do. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He marveled. He only marveled twice in all the Gospels that it's it's recorded. He marvels here at the faith of a Gentile. The other time is in Mark chapter 6, verse 6. And he marveled then at the unbelief or the lack of faith of the Jews. He marveled and said to those who were following. Now notice what Jesus does. Got to do a little preaching here. He says, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, they'll be cast out into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said, I I told you this before. A long time ago I told you I had sheep that you didn't know anything about. They were not of this flock. Here's one of them. Welcome to the fold, Mr. Centurion. Says, and Jesus said to the centurion, go, and it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. When Jesus came to Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in the bed with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and waited, a better word probably is served or ministered to him. Diakonone is is a verb form of our word deacon. We've got a woman here doing deacon work. Did you get that? Yeah, boy, we got so much to learn. We, We learned a lot about church from everywhere but the Bible, didn't we? Yeah, I know. When evening came, ah, sorry, I've got to tell you about this. What's that got to do with anything? Well, Matthew doesn't tell us, but Mark did in Mark chapter 1, that this was a Sabbath. Now, Jesus has already let us know what he thinks of not healing on the Sabbath. He's already wide open doing it. But Mark says it was a Sabbath. So when evening came at 6 o'clock, They felt the freedom to just pile in there and bring their sick loved ones to Jesus. And boy, they did. When evening came, six o'clock, the Sabbath would have ended. They brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Man, isn't that something? I just, a word. And the demons get out of town. And healed all who were ill. 
This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away. That word means loaded upon himself. It's like tossing a bag of your most filthy, stinkiness trash on a truck and watching it go away. It's, it's, it's cathartic, okay? It feels good. He took all of that, our infirmities, and carried our, away our diseases. Man, bless the reading of your word, Lord. In Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. We're familiar with it. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons your iniquities, who heals your diseases. And for us today, the most important word I want to reach from this is who redeems your life from the pit. He redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with chesed, loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Redemption and healing are the two greatest needs in the whole world. Redemption is where God takes who we were and sets us free. To redeem something, you had to pay a price to have it set free. So that's how you redeem something. You, you took responsibility for it. You had to pay a price to set it free from whatever condition that it was in. When he saved us, he set us free. So we needed redemption, and then we need healing. And we see some of this going on in this whole passage. But I just want to think for a moment before we look at the text. The two greatest needs in the world is redemption, to be set free from the fleshly nature, the depraved, sinful self, and then to be healed. Because when God set me free in February the 13th, 1980, I can tell you, boy, I was set free. It was a done thing over with. uh, There was nothing else left to do except the process of sanctification. And along with that, a lot of healing. A lot of healing. And every one of us needs some of that. Even after we've been redeemed, sometimes we bring a lot of things from the old life. I know we're forgiven of them, and I know we have freedom in Christ from them, but sometimes you and I both know in reality, a lot of things that hurt us in the past, that haunted us in the past, temptations wherein we were weak in the past, things that cause guilt to come to mind every time we think about them, they just haunt us and follow us through our Christian life and those are the areas where we so desperately need healing. I, I, I don't want to get into a, a whole lot about me, but I, you have your story, I have mine. My mother and father divorced when I was very young. I was given away by my own mother when I was four years old. And she's still alive. But I've gone through shooting myself and almost dying in a tree stand and cancer. And not one time has that woman called me to see how I'm doing. I've been preaching 42 years. She's been to hear me one time. Now you say, well, boy, you must really be down. No, I'm not. I'm healed from that. 
But God had to do it. I walked around with a chip on my shoulder mad at the world for a long time. I didn't trust anybody. And you know where it really got me? It really got me. You, you can walk around with trust issues till you get married. And when you get married, that's it, buddy. It's time to deal with the trust issues or they will ruin your marriage and they will ruin your life. I'm just here to tell you, man, that just, God had to do a work in my life. So don't look at me like poor pitiful me. I got some stuff that you can look at that way though, okay? Because I still have healing that God has to do in my life. And maybe you were raised by the cleavers. I don't know. Maybe your upbringing was just as cool as it could be. I don't know. I know some of you, I'm, I'm, see some of you sitting here i know yeah i've heard your story too god had to do some healing in your life did he not and he's the only one that can he's the only one that can you know i'm pretty sure most of you know how i feel about crime and the way our world is just in an absolute mess i I, it just it, it just befuddles me but 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 let me tell you why I'm, I'm, I guess, hard-headed about certain things and what I know will work and what I know will not work. And I don't claim to be a very smart fellow, but, but, but let me tell you something. In, in 2021, we had 20, just in America, we had 24,576 murders. Now, that's bad. But let me tell you, before we start making laws, and before politicians start running in there like hogs in a slop trough, trying to gain as much advantage as they can with all of that, let me tell you, before you start making laws and taking away guns and doing all these other crazy things that people want to do, let me tell you this, also in 2021, there were 45,901 people who killed themselves. Almost two to one. You, you, you see the problem? And, and you know, one of the most foolish laws in the world is suicide. In a lot of states, it's illegal. Do you think it ever prevents? Really? In a lot of states, suicide is illegal. That is as dumb as the laws we want to pass about homicide. Really, and I, and I, I know it's just, it escapes a lot of people in, in Washington. I'm not sure it just exactly, it seems like common sense to me, but drug overdoses in 2021, that was 91,799. 91,000, almost 92,000 people died from drug overdoses. And we always hear about Japan, and it was so sad this week uh, about the assassination that went on there. But let me tell you something. Japan doesn't have guns at all. The guy that shot the, the prime minister, whoever he was, had to build a gun, make a gun. They don't allow any guns. But, man, the suicide rate in Japan is incredible. They jump in front of trains. When my daughter was there serving as a missionary, she told me, she said, Dad, every day we hear about somebody that accidentally got hit by a train. She said, it's one of the most popular ways to end your life in Japan. It's really amazing. One more I thought about. I had to look these up, and I've got references. I'm telling you, I... 
I couldn't believe some of these. Since 9-11, we've lost 7,057 soldiers in service to our country, either in combat or maybe it was an accident, but they were involved in serving the country. Most of them, I'm sure, combat 7,057. Do you realize in that same time period, we lost 30,177 soldiers to suicide? Four to one. We need healing. And a lot of people don't know it's available. They don't know about Jesus. Maybe they've never been redeemed. I I know of some people that have been redeemed, but they still drag around a load of guilt and shame and and, and dysfunctionality behind them. And and I'm assuming most everyone in here is a born-again Christian, so don't think that we're just preaching to the world this morning. Maybe you're here and there's something in your life you know, man, I know God has saved me, but there's some healing needs to take place in that area of my life. There's some, there's some pain there. There's some regret there. There's some anger there. There's some guilt there that God's got to help me with. I, I just want to share with you this morning a message simply entitled A Healing from Jesus. And we're only going to look at two major points, our suffering and our healing. When we look at our suffering, and here's just a quick list. One, we see helplessness. They'll all come right here from the passage. One, we see helplessness. Now, I know these were physical ailments that were healed here, but believe you me, Boy, there were other ailments that casting out demons and all of that involved other things other than just physical malady. So maybe you're here today and you're not paralyzed. Uh, You're walking around. You got all your feet and legs moving, but something paralyzed you. It took you out of service. It parked you in that green chair. Maybe it put you at home. Uh, Whatever it did to you, it took you out of the ball game, and there you are, and you're paralyzed. You, you, You can't do anything. Maybe you've got something that you are ashamed of in your life, like leprosy, and and it just haunts you every day of your life. I know so many people that are like, man, I want to serve God. I want to be what God would want me to be, but... I've been divorced, or or I had an abortion, or and boy, today so many people, and I, I know a lot of them are very militant about it. They're not looking for forgiveness, or looking for vindication, or validation, or authentication. But there are a lot of people in the LGBTQ community, whatever all that is, they want healing. You say, how do you know? I've met some of them. I've talked to some of them personally. I've read the stories of others. They want healing. They want healing. But it's almost like a dog getting to the end of their chain. Whatever that is in their life that's held them back, that's where they stop every time. They're helpless. One says in verse 2, he was a leper. Number 6, there was another one paralyzed and fearfully tormented. And then the third one, Peter's mother-in-law, she never even asked. The point is that none of them could help themselves. They were helpless. And so if you were here this morning and you were exhausted from trying to figure it out on your own, I can tell you now you can't. 
And if you feel like giving up, today would be a great day to do that and just say, God, you're going to have to do something. I can't. I've tried, but I can't, God. You've got to do it. I love John chapter 5, the story where Jesus heals the man that's been paralyzed for 38 years. And he was laying there at, uh, on the porch there at Solomon's colonnade. There were five porches there, and they were all full of sick people. And there was a pool there at Bethsaida, and they were waiting for the water to stir, and they thought that that was an angel And they had a superstition that the first one in the water gets healed. And Jesus asked one of those people, a man that had been lying there 38 years, people had to bring him every day and lay him beside the pool. He looked at him and asked him a question I bet he had never been asked before. Do you want to be well? And he went into this, well, I, I, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. You know, Jesus never even responded to any of that. Here's a guy lying helpless. The people that he hangs out with, make sure you get this, they were as helpless as he was. We tend to hang out with folks sometimes that are as sick as we are. We celebrate our sickness. We celebrate our weakness. We do drugs together. We drink and get drunk together and do all kinds of crazy things as human beings. There's something celebratory about the pain that we all have. But none of us seem to get better because some things only Jesus Christ can heal. Jesus told that man to do something that was absolutely impossible. He said, take up your bed and walk. And he did just that. Incredible. Maybe God's asking you to do something you think is impossible. How about forgive somebody? Oh, you, Pastor, you just, you don't know. I know I don't know. It doesn't matter whether I know or not. I know where you're going to find healing for that. Might be something else in your life that you think is impossible. God can heal it. Helplessness, hopelessness. The centurion tells Jesus in verses 8 and 9, he said, I can tell people what to do, but he said, I can't do anything. My servant, I, I can't help him a bit. I can command all kinds of people to go and do this, that, and the other, and they do it, but I, I can't do anything to help my servant. And and I want to remind you of a man named Naaman in Second Kings chapter 5. I love, there's one verse there, and it talks about Naaman, and he's going to go see Elisha, and he's going to dip in the Jordan and be healed. And it's a beautiful, awesome story. You ought to read it sometime. But it gives a little bit of his resume. He was a great warrior, and he led the Syrian army and all this, that, and the other, and he was in tight with the king and blah, 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 and on and on. But at the very end of the verse, it says, but he was a leper. That nullified everything else. That meant when he put his armor on, it'd have a stench to it from those oozing sores on his back and chest and face. It meant that he knew that I may survive a battle today, but I'm losing this battle. My throat's more raspy today than it was a week ago. I've noticed my eyebrows are all but gone. Sometimes I've already started into that final stage where you have a blank stare. 
and dementia was beginning to set in perhaps. I don't know. But he was a leper. That's hopelessness. Matter of fact, in the Middle Ages, some lepers would go to the priest and he would don his funeral garb and he would do a ceremony for lepers in the Middle Ages. He would go ahead and do their funeral. You'd have your funeral done while you were still staggering around because if you had leprosy, you were going to die. It was hopeless. You were done until Jesus came along. Second, or thirdly, pain. That's another problem. We talk about leprosy. I've already mentioned some of that. E.W.G. Masterman, it's a brilliant doctor from London, uh, wrote a book called The Freedom of Jerusalem. I, I forgot the name of it, but he was a doctor from London, spent a lot of time in Palestine and He's dead now, but uh, he was a, a, a modern uh, doctor, so to speak. But he called it death by inches. He, he said it starts out as little ulcerated nodules, and they give off this foul discharge, and your eyebrows do fall out. The eyes get to where they just stare. The vocal cords get ulcerated. He said the voice is hoarse, and the breath wheezes, and the hands and feet always carry the most ulcers, and slowly the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of that kind of leprosy, he says, is nine years. And it ends, usually it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. Maybe you have something in your life. I know this was physical. But there are other things in life that are slow killers too. Guilt, shame, hate, anger. How many more relationships are you going to have to destroy? How many more marriages are going to end? People that struggle with the need for healing are usually always in the market for a new church because, well, they just maybe something else will suit me there better than here or whatever. I'm just telling you, until Jesus heals you, It is just a slow walk through disaster. He's got to heal you. And then you can love people that don't even love you. You can wish them a happy Mother's Day. It also can lead to paralysis. Verse 6. The centurion said, My servant is lying paralyzed at home. And he's fearfully tormented. I've already told you about Thalmazo, the astonishment or amazement that, that Jesus felt. But this is pain versus paralysis here. Some people feel pain, some feel nothing. Here was someone that couldn't move. I, I don't know exactly what had happened. The way the centurion tells the story, he uses the word balo that he was cast into the house but he had to be carried. He, he couldn't move on his own. And the word here for fearfully tormented, tormented is basanas. And it's the same word that we find in Luke 16 for the pain that the rich man felt in hell. This is a man that is living in pure fear and hell. He had legs, but he couldn't lift them. He had to carry them. 
things that would have carried him, he has to carry. They become weights and liabilities and useless to him. And I think about sometimes that people that are born again Christians who have things in their life from which they need to be healed, things that should be a joy in your life just really kind of bring struggle and anxiety to you. Maybe you know in your heart right now that God called you to the ministry. I've met more men than you can ever shake a stick at that have told me before that I knew years ago that God had called me to the ministry. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But if you know God put a calling in your life, what should be bringing you joy and fulfillment every time you hear about someone else's call, it just kind of hits you in the gut. That's what I ought to be doing. I'm afraid. What would it look like? How would I feed my family? How would we make it through all of that? I'm just telling you, and I don't know what it is that paralyzed you, but I'll be real honest with you this morning, and you know I love you, but there's some of you that, man, you used to be so active. You used to be right in the middle of everything, and, and, and just, boy, we couldn't turn around without running into you. What happened? It's like you're paralyzed. Something took you out of the out of the game. You 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 just you. It, it is amazing. And and I always love the old saying. God loves fat people. F A T faithful, available, and teachable. And usually the people that God wants to be using but can't, they're missing one of those areas. They either like faithfulness, or maybe you're just not available. Oh, I'll get there when I can, preacher. You know, a lot going on. Kids, they got ball, they dance, whatever. We stuff to do. You know how it is. Yeah, I know how it is. Maybe you're not teachable. Maybe you got that one job at church and you almost kill four people. And you decided I better not take another one. You found out that dealing with other people is the hardest thing in the world. I can tell you right now, if church don't kill you, nothing will. It's tough. Especially if you're one of those that's a perfectionist. Maybe there was somebody in your life years ago that you were never able to make happy, and since then, nobody's ever been able to make you happy. Well, I've seen that. That's a sickness that haunts a lot of people. But guess what? I've also seen God heal that in some people as well. Maybe you're not teachable. Oh, head's hard. I know so many men and I know women. I, I'll, I'll try to think of something to get on you about. I'm really hard on the old men today. But, man, I'm telling you, so many men, they just, it's like God could use them. They may have the faithful and available part as far as being around. But that, hey, I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, preacher, ain't nobody going to tell me, tell me what to do now. I'm just going to tell you. You have a nice day. The ministry is not going to be for you, friend. It's not going to be for you. The elders prayed yesterday together and we asked God, Lord, please. We prayed this yesterday. Lord, please don't ever allow our church to think that they serve us. But make sure they know, God, that we serve them for your glory and your honor. If you got the big boat up, 
I just do it my way. And, and, and here's where we justify it. Guys will justify it by going, that's just how I am. I know. You know how I was one time? I was lost. That's just how I was. I was going to hell. That's just where I was going. I was biggest fool in town. That's just who I was. That's just me. I'm going to hell driving a gas truck and I don't care because that's just me. God can save you even, get this, from you. He can even save you from you. Are you going to let him? Paralysis, hopelessness, pain, helplessness, fear. In verse 6, he says, my servant lies paralyzed at home in fear. It's amazing to me that humanity's first emotion ever expressed to God after they sinned was fear. That's the cause of a lot of our fears. We're not faithful to God. We're not who we need to be. We're trying to live a duplicitous life. And I know I'm overly prone to guilt. You could ask my wife. I, 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 I have a problem with guilt. And I know a good measure of guilt is healthy and, and all of that. But I'm, I'm really prone to it. But I have to watch myself. Because sometimes I realize and know that, you know, that I, I, that's an area of my life, God, that people may never see. But I know that you see it. And you might not even know what it is, but I'll tell you, you cannot stand here in this pulpit and preach God's word with a bunch of carrying on going on in your life that you're hiding from everybody. I, I can just tell you, it might last for a while, and I know we've seen a few, especially uh, some on television, they did it a long time, but I can tell you, the day comes when that junk is over. If you're going to stand here and say, I'm here today to preach the Word of God. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. If you do, I could never stand here one second. But I have to tell you something, friend. Our fears a lot of times come not because we're overwhelmed so much. We've got things in our life we know don't belong there. Last of all, isolation. It says the leper came and bowed down before him in verse 2 and in verse 6. The other one was paralyzed and of course, lepers in that day had to be quarantined. I want to move on, but oh, one last one. Loss of identity. I'm sorry. I wanted to get to this one. Loss of identity is our last one. They call him a leper. We never did learn his name. Some say this is Simon, but we don't have proof of that. Simon, the, but even after Jesus goes to Simon the leper's house, what do they call him? Simon the leper <laughs> had the problem so long, you actually become what your problem is. I love that. I love the song today. Doggone, the praise team was rocking it today. I love that. And it may be because I'm deaf, but I think y'all sound good. It was so awesome. And I know they're not up here to sound good. That's what makes it so beautiful. But I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am, God. My sin identified me for a long time. I was an arrogant snot head for a long time. A good looking one. Oh yeah, I had a head full of hair, buddy. Now I've got a hair full of head. 
Oh, yeah, full of pride. I was on top of the world. I was just all that kind of stuff, man. And life beat the living tar out of me. And I put me in a position where I had no choice but to just fall before God. Boy, he uh, just a wreck on the floor. I was snothead, arrogant, big mouth. I got a knot in my nose right there. God left. You, you, you don't usually probably see it. It's not real noticeable. I said something to a fellow one time. And the last thing I remember <laughs> was I was on the carpet breathing through blood that was pouring out of my face. I apparently didn't impress him as, with my prowess as much as I thought I should be able to. Just about killed me. <laughs> I looked good with two black eyes, too, for about a week. Such a mess. Such a fool. But you know what I am now? I'm a child of the king, friend. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. Secondly, and last of all, and we'll move through this. It's not as long, but our healing, our healing, it starts with worship. We see it in verse 2. We see it in verse 8. The leper came and bowed down. The word there, proskuneo, is the same word we translate as worship. And then the centurion comes and he says, God, I'm not even worthy of you coming to my house. You are too important for that. Worship is showing worth to God. We do that with our checkbook. We do it with our calendar. We do it with our lives. That's how we worship God. It has nothing to do with singing. We might express our worship through song, but worship is whatever you do in your life that shows that God is God. He is more valuable and more precious than anything. And the leper and the centurion both showed that you are awesome. I'm not even worthy to have you come in my house, let alone heal my servant. He didn't even ask God to heal his servant. Jesus, before he get asked, said, I will come and heal him. It starts with some worship. Just some good, humble worship. I, I don't think that the centurion servant and the leper got together and said, you know, we're going to pray together and come against it, and God's going to have to heal us. Amen? We're going to claim it in the name of Jesus. I'm claiming my healing. People talk about their healing. <laughs> It's almost like people talk about their master's degree, that I'm going to go get my master's degree one day. Like it's already theirs, they just hadn't swung by and picked it up yet. There'll be more to that. Okay? <laughs> oh, my healing. It belongs to me, amen? Jesus clutching on it a little tight, but my faith is going to make him get on his feet and make him get busy. That's a word of faith lie. And it's a hard lie. Come humbly to God. Worship Him. Secondly, it takes some faith. Verse 2, He says, you can make me clean. Verse 8 said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 15, He just touched her hand. She didn't even ask to be healed. 
just touched her hand and healed her. I'm telling you, God has got authority over things that you and I don't. God can heal when you and I can't. And and, and I, I know that this life is full of sickness, and there are a lot of good people that trust God and love God, and they're still sick. But I, I can tell you, when the doctor says that all we can do now is pray, that's, that's, not, this, that's not that bad. If he says we can't pray anymore, all we can do is operate, that's bad. That's real bad. But if you can still pray and cry out to God, I'm telling you, man, God can do things that you and I would be amazed at, and it, it should blow our mind. It starts with worship and then faith and then trust. I love this part. Verse 2 again, the leper said, If you are willing, you're still going to be God whether you do it or not. If you're willing. See, God is sovereign. And he knows what's best. I don't. I don't really know what to pray for. You know that? If I ask God, well, Lord, will you please hurry up and let me get out of this traffic? God might be thinking, well, I can, but there's a concrete truck with a tire about to blow out, and I know about it, and you don't, dummy. I've wondered that before. I know you can go ahead and think I'm crazy. I don't care. But I, I've gotten to places before and something would happen. I'd have to stop and go back to the house. And I've actually wondered, have you ever done that? Have you ever wondered, God, were you saving me from something? I don't know. Boy, I know he knows, though. And he's still God no matter what happens. And then last of all, service. When God heals you, then you can get busy. Instead of being a spectator. There's an old saying, I've said it so many times, and I know I've told you, but I get so perfect. Someone has said church is like a football game. you got 22 people on the field that are in desperate need of a break. And you got... 20,000 in the stands who are in desperate need of some exercise. I'm afraid that's what church has become. I understand some of it. I don't think it's all just laziness. I don't think it's all I just don't care. I think sometimes we need some healing. Something hurt us so deeply Something caused us so much pain. Maybe there's some forgiveness you need to offer, but it's so undeserved. They're not even sorry for what they did. They don't even realize what they did. You're waiting on them, they're waiting on you. They may be thinking the same thing. I I don't know. I'm just telling you, you cannot keep worrying about who you need to forgive and what they're going through. Forgive them. Let God set you free. Let him set you free. Let there be some redemption. And maybe you've already experienced that. You know you have. You already know I'm a born-again Christian. But pastor, I got some things that I need God to heal me of. I need some healing. Today we're going to end a little differently.
I know I'm going to get on my knees in this altar and pray, and I want to invite you to do that if you'd like to. We're just going to have a quiet moment here of invitation today. And I know that coming down here, there's nothing special about this place any more than where you're sitting right now. I got all of that. But maybe, just maybe it would do you some good to stand to your feet and take that first step back toward where you know you need to be. Come get on your knees and come ask God to do a healing in your life. Let's stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need to come, don't even slow down. Just stand up and come on. Just stand up and come on. I can't imagine there would be many that wouldn't need to be here. If you need to come, I invite you to right now. God, we come to you today. Lord, as the part of your body that worships you here at this particular location called Cornerstone. We come, God, asking for redemption and healing, God. If there's anyone here today that's lost, God, I pray you just convict their heart right now. I pray, God, that you'd help them to take a serious look at their relationship with you, what it is and what it's not. Pray, God, you would just convict their heart. Lord, I pray for all of us, God, that, Lord, we need a touch from you as well. Things in our life, God, that how many times have we given them to you? How many times have we said no more? How many times have we promised and broke? those promises, God, because, Lord, we need you to heal us. We can't do it on our own. God, I thank you for your love, your forgiveness, and I thank you, God, that you care about us, Lord, enough to crown us, Lord, with loving kindness and compassion, God. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that, Lord, but you love us and you care about us. And I just pray you would help me and these other pastors here to be an example to these this flock, God, and to serve these sheep, Lord, the way you would have us to, in a way that would glorify you. And I pray you'd help us, God, to always be who we say we are. Lord, this flock knows we're not perfect, but I pray, God, you would help us. Help us to never mislead them, Lord. And I pray, God, that you just be with that person today, Father, that may be here. That they've been paralyzed. Lord, taken out of the war, taken out of the battle. God, just be, they became so occupied with whatever it was. I, I don't know, God. Maybe it was some kind of conflict in life or anger in their heart, Lord, or hurt, pain, something, God, that just absolutely overwhelmed them. I pray, God, that you just help them right now to cry out to you. And I pray, God, that in the days ahead, they'd share that with us. I pray, Lord, that they would 
They would exalt your name, Lord, and exhort this body and encourage this body by telling us, God, how you changed their life, how you changed their attitude, Lord, how you brought healing, God, to a place in their life where they thought they would never, ever have hope and freedom. That burden is finally gone. You loaded it up and you carried it away on yourself. I pray, God, for that today. We give ourselves to you now. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.